about the issues that matter to Montana. Statewide, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. It's David Noble filling in for Aaron Flint. That's Noble with a K. I'm an attorney here in Billings. You can find me online at LectureFan, L-C-T-R-F-A-N on YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, X, wherever you find your, uh, or whatever you use, you can find me. Uh, A couple of Montana stories here. Montana is requested a Medicaid benefit expansion for housing support. Um, This is from the Montana DPHHS, requested the power to include tenant support services as a Medicaid benefit. Uh, Apparently, Medicaid includes doctors, visits, rehab services, and prescription drugs. This new proposed benefit... Uh, would not inc- or would now include rent payments. So, uh, Gianforte, apparently, this is part of uh, a Gianforte initiative. I'm interested to hear folks' thoughts on that. In Bozeman, uh, the Gallatin County Commission recently denied a New York City real estate investments firm's request to rezone 100 acres on s- south of Bozeman. Uh, the, re- the requested change would have partially increased the allowed density. While allowing, or while adding additional requirements for the development, but in a split decision, the Gallatin County Commission voted to deny the request. With the majority arguing a countywide procedural approach to zoning is preferred over spot changes. So uh, let's see, what was this? Uh, the property is, is tucked between Fowler Lane and South Nineteenth Avenue, um, and there's four tracks making up about a hundred acres, and it's unzoned or zoned ag suburban. Um, Morrison Merrily, a local engineering firm, um, requested the county change it to residential suburban. Uh, if it was residential suburban, they could allow homes on one-acre parcels, but that was denied. So uh, that's going on over there in Bozeman. I guess uh, not going to have more houses uh, on that parcel right now, which I know a lot of people would agree with, but people that want lower housing costs would probably disagree with that one. Uh, there's a major new lawsuit that's been filed um, against these pro-construction housing laws that the 2023 Montana legislature passed. Um, this lawsuit uh, is challenging a whole bunch of these bills. Um, and so the Montana Free Press reports a lawsuit filed in December by a coalition of homeowners challenges the constitutionality of four bipartisan laws passed by the legislature in an effort to tackle the housing shortage uh, by encouraging proactive land use planning, make it easier to build homes in situations where construction has been hampered by local zoning rules. Ain't that interesting? (laughs) So at the same time that you've got the the Gallatin County Commission denying zoning changes to allow for more construction of more housing, you've got these lawsuits being filed to try to stop these new laws that are supposed to make it easier to build houses where construction has been hampered by local zoning. So what are we going to do, Montana? Are we going to build more houses or not? I guess that's the big question. I think most people say we probably ought to build some more houses so that people can afford to buy them and live the American dream, which, let's be real, buying a home is the American dream. David Noble in for Aaron Flint. Securing 
America. As Border Patrol sources tell Fox News, there have been more than 200,000 migrant encounters in the month of December. And as a migrant caravan of thousands traveled through Mexico, Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas made the trip south to Mexico City. Officials say the meeting with President Andres Obrador focused on the, quote, urgent need for lawful pathways and additional enforcement actions by partners throughout the region. Talks also include reopening ports of entry across the border. Back home, Republican members of Congress like Kentucky's Andy Barr on Varney and Co. aren't impressed. This administration refuses to follow the law and frankly refuses to protect the homeland. Senate Republicans and Democrats are currently trying to negotiate a deal on border security reforms in exchange for passing President Biden's emergency spending package where over $13 billion would go towards border security. In Washington, Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. Here's a look at your real weather for Billings and Bozeman. We'll see breaks of sun and some clouds around the area today with high temperatures from the upper 30s in Bozeman to the mid-40s in the Billings area. For tonight, we're looking at clear to partly cloudy skies. Temperatures will bottom out near 21 in Bozeman to 27 in Billings. And then on Friday, with mainly sunny skies expected, highs from 40 in Bozeman to the mid-40s in the Billings vicinity. This is weatherology meteorologist Paul Trombley. Talking about the issues that matter to Montana. Statewide, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. 406-294-0970 if you want to be on the show. 294-0970, whatever you want to talk about. Or send us a message on the Montana Talks app. Amy in Helena sent us a message. She says, they will just break up the caravan and spread the illegal border crossers across multiple ports of entry or locations in between. That is what they did with the other caravans. Some are being flown directly into the country by Joe and Mayorkas. Todd Benzman has been investigating their invented methods of admitting all these illegals. Thank you, Amy. Appreciate the message. Um, I think that's right. I think that that's probably what they will do. They probably will. Uh, they'll break it up. You know, they'll they'll split it up, and then they'll say, "Oh, hey, look, we stopped the caravan. We stopped the caravan." Uh, no, you didn't stop the caravan. You just split it up so that you could, you know, get them into the country. Although, I mean, really, at at fifteen thousand people strong. That's really just a normal day on the border. I'm not even sure they need to split it up. Maybe maybe split it up, uh, you know, between five thousand, five thousand, and five thousand. But when you've got when you've got ten thousand people plus crossing the border illegally every day, and then being processed by the tester Biden uh, regime and just processing them into the country and then flying them around. You know, Ashley St. Clair is a conservative activist on X, and uh, she was on a flight. She was on a recent flight where there was just a whole bunch of illegal aliens, and she found that they were not, uh, they didn't have to have IDs. All they had to have was this uh, sort of piece of paper that they just got from, you know, the U.S. government, I think CBP probably. Um, no, they don't, don't have to have a name. They don't have to have anything. Don't, and so she was literally asking Delta, like, Delta, why are you, how, how is this all right to bring in all these illegal aliens onto these, these flights and they don't have, they don't have IDs. They don't really have names. They've got a piece of paper from CBP. Um, but that's what's going on. Biden's, Biden's just flying them all around and possibly anybody that shows up at the border, can come into our country illegally, and, and Biden is going to allow it, and then and then give them give them whatever resources they need, and get them on a flight to wherever they want to go. 
I mean, how is that not impeachable? How is that straight up not impeachable? Frankly, how is it not impeachable that Joe Biden was trying to hide the fact that there was a Chinese spy balloon over our country? That to me sounds uh, like not, that's not okay. How can anybody still support Biden knowing NBC News even reported it? You know it's bad when NBC News is reporting the, the Biden administration working with the Democrats in D.C., including Tester, was trying to hide from Montanans and Americans the fact that there was a Chinese communist spy balloon over our country. That's not okay. We, we deserve to know that. We have every right to know that. Um, it just go, again, I, just, it, it, I can't say enough about citizen journalism. And, and if you see something in the sky, take a picture, post it online. If, if, you're, if you're at a, a poll location, start live streaming it. We've got to have everybody out there paying attention, taking pictures, taking videos. That was what the Leadership Institute uh, had mainly focused on, too, was, hey, look, one of the things we can do as conservative activists is to start taking videos of all of this stuff that's happening because the truth is not getting reported by the media. The truth of what's really happening is being hidden by the media. And so how else are we all going to find out about what's really going on out there unless we ourselves take the pictures and the videos and, and report on it and post on it or call into the, the radio show or talk about it on, on, on the air here? Um, I wanted to go a little bit deeper into the, this new lawsuit against these uh these new bills that the legislature passed so there's there's four bills and this is what they do sb245 forces cities of 7,000 residents or more to allow apartment style housing in uh commercial zoning districts sb323 forces cities to allow duplex housing on any home lot in a city with 5,000 residents or more uh there's sb 528 requires cities to adopt regulations allowing more construction of ADUs, accessory dwelling units, or secondary housing structures that share partials with larger homes. And so uh, there's this group called uh, Montanans Against Irresponsible Densification. Um, it's called MADE, Montanans Against Irresponsible Densification. Um, and they're a group of members who live in neighborhoods characterized by single-family homes, attractive, well-maintained yards, and quiet streets. Um, these, the new housing laws, according to this lawsuit, aims to impose top-down densification that will force these people who want to live in nice single-family neighborhoods to live in more densely populated areas with larger buildings, more traffic, and any number of other changes that spur uninterrupted development under the guise of affordable housing. Now, I'm not sure exactly how that means it's unconstitutional. Yeah, Maybe these laws do make it so you're going to have to live in a more uh, densely populated area. When you, when you start building apartments and ADUs and secondary housing units and duplexes and all that, that does, incre that does increase density. But I'm not seeing how that's un unconstitutional. That's a classic government function. That's what the government is there to do. Our elected representatives are there to decide issues like this as our elected representatives. How do we want to handle zoning? How do we want to handle development. I mean, personally, I'm kind of a private property rights guy. I mean, call me crazy, folks. Call me crazy. But I think if you own property, you should generally speak and kind of be able to do what you want to do with it outside of things like nuisances or, you know, there's a whole question about zoning itself. Um, are there anybody out there that just disagrees with zoning as a whole? I, I think there's a lot of people that probably do. 
to me, it's, uh, you know, here, here's the deal. I'm a conservative, so I don't generally like to make massive, massive changes and just throw out what's historically been the case. So I'm not suggesting throwing out zoning, uh, but I am suggesting that it's pretty good, generally speaking, when you have laws like this that allow private property owners to do what they want with their property. David Noble in for Aaron Flint. And it's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words and This is where Montana talks ag with Lane Nordland. Bayer was victorious in a California trial initiated by a man who claimed he had developed cancer from long-term exposure to the company's Roundup weed killer. Reuters says that ended what had been a five-trial losing streak for the company in trials over similar claims. Ayer said the verdict was handed down by a jury in California Superior Court late last week. In a statement, the company said the verdict was consistent with the evidence in this case that Roundup does not cause cancer and is not responsible for the plaintiff's illness. Lawyers for the plaintiff, Bruce Jones, didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. Like most plaintiffs in other Roundup lawsuits, Jones claimed the product caused him to develop a form of cancer called non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Around 165,000 claims have been made against the company for personal injuries allegedly caused by Roundup, which Bayer acquired by purchasing Monsanto in 2018. In other news, USDA data shows inspections of corn and wheat for offshore delivery increased week to week, while soybean assessments dropped. Corn inspections during those seven days rose to 1.98 million metric tons. That's up from the previous week by nearly 960,000 tons. Wheat assessments reached 428,000-plus tons, a sharp jump from the 285,000 tons the previous week. Wheat inspections now stand at 9.33 million tons, down from 11.8 million last year. I'm Wayne Ortlund. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. So uh, Representative Lauren Boebert just put out a video here uh, explaining her decision to not run in Colorado's 3rd District, but instead run in uh, Colorado's 4th District, which apparently she doesn't live in right now, but she's going to be moving to. Uh, apparently the 3rd District is not as Republican-friendly. Uh, Lauren Boebert barely won in 2022, and so uh, the 4th District apparently is is much more Republican district, and so she's going to have a much easier time winning in that 4th District. If she can win the primary, of course. Um, so that was that's kind of interesting uh, news. I'm a big fan of, of Lauren Boebert personally. I know that she's got her problems, obviously. And she's not a perfect human being, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But a much bigger fan to her compared to uh, somebody like MTG. Uh, so the, the, well, I was talking about this lawsuit, this new lawsuit in Montana. And again, it's just like it's crazy to me how so much of the news is just lawsuits. What's going on with lawsuits? There have been some good lawsuits recently. Um, I've got a story about, uh, was it a, a teacher or a professor in Virginia? I'll try to find it. That just recently won a lawsuit um, regarding um, preferred pronouns. Folks, please, please, out there, please be advised. Please be advised. You do not have to use anyone's preferred pronouns, period. Especially if it's against your religion, against your beliefs. You just don't want to just because you just don't want to. Um, that is all totally protected. Here it is. The Daily Wire reports 
Virginia Supreme Court backs teacher fired for not using students' preferred pronouns on Thursday. Virginia Supreme Court ruled a high school teacher who was fired for refusing to use pronouns that didn't match a student's sex. Um, and so, again, there are, uh, there are successful lawsuits out there and good news. Conservatives, I think, need to be a little bit more aggressive in some of these lawsuits. Why? It, it seems to me... All of the lawsuits that end up getting filed, they're, they're these radical left-wing groups that are filing these crazy lawsuits, whether it's the climate kids, whether it's the Colorado co co case, whether it's the lawsuits in Montana challenging voter ID as racist. I mean, that one succeeded. It's crazy. Lawsuits against the, the natural gas power plant. Blah, blah. Where are all the conservative lawsuits? We need some conservative lawsuits. Well, here's one uh, on the preferred pronoun issue. This is good news. A female student had claimed to be a male and had a new preferred um, name. Uh, this teacher actually used the new name but avoided using the – that's the crazy thing. Now, it's not enough to simply – okay, so John wants to be called Susie and wants he, her – it's not enough to just call uh, John Susie now and not use pronouns at all. No, you have to affirmatively use the incorrect pronouns according to the radical left. Because I think most people uh, have dealt with this issue by saying, look, okay, fine. You, you, you want to um, be referred to as a female when you're clearly a male? Um, okay, but like, I'll, just, I'll refer you to you as your name. I'm not going to use any pronouns at all. I just simply will not use pronouns. I'm not going to use the pronouns you don't like. And I'm not going to use the pronouns you do like because those are incorrect and against my religious beliefs. That's not enough. Nope, you're going to get fired from your job. Potentially. How many more times are these leftists going to fire people for this issue and then lose lawsuits? Um, this is actually the Alliance Defending Freedom um, ha has quoted in this article. Caleb Dalton of the Alliance Defending Freedom said, Peter went out of his way to accommodate this student as he does all his students. His school fired him because he wouldn't contradict his core beliefs. The school board didn't care how well Peter treated the student. It was on a crusade to compel conformity. He works hard to make his students feel welcomed. In his French class, he always calls the students by the name they choose. He even used the student's preferred masculine name and was willing to avoid using pronouns at all. But he was still fired. He wasn't fired for anything that he actually said. He was fired for something that he could not say. And the Virginia Supreme Court, Virginia, not a not a, a red state by any stretch of the imagination. The Virginia Supreme Court rightly agreed uh, that Peter's case um, against the school board for violating his rights under the Virginia Constitution and state law should proceed. As a teacher, Peter was passionate about the subject he taught, was well liked by his students. He did his best to accommodate their needs and requests, but he couldn't in good conscience speak messages that he doesn't believe to be true. And no school board or government official can punish someone for that uh, reason. The Virginia Supreme Court agreed, said the Virginia Constitution seeks to protect diversity of thought, diversity of speech, diversity of religion. Um, the West Point School Board violated the constitutional command when it tried to force Peter Vlaming to endorse the school's ideological viewpoints on gender identity. The Su Virginia Supreme Court rightly vindicated the right to stand by his convictions. So a wonderful, wonderful little bit of news out of the Virginia court system. We need more lawsuits um, like that. 
I'm going to take a short here break here at the bottom of the hour. We'll come right back after this. David Noble in for Aaron Flint. I'm Therese Crowley. President Biden basking on the beach of St. Croix for New Year's, dispatching the Secretary of State and Homeland Secretary to Mexico to get help cutting the record migrant surge across the border. Texas Republican Keith Self tells Fox Business. It is neither money nor policy nor new laws. It is simply the Biden administration refusal to obey the laws, to enforce the laws, to execute the laws that they swore to uphold. Word now that Mexico and the U.S. agreed to reopen rail crossings. Presidential frontrunner Donald Trump posting we're being extorted by Mexico. We truly are a nation in decline. GOP also ran Vivek Ramaswamy says he's not pulling out after cutting what he calls idiotic TV campaign spending leading up to Iowa and New Hampshire. He predicts an Iowa surprise. Another surprise, jobless claims rose more than expected last week, 218,000. America's listening to Fox News. So this new lawsuit here in Montana regarding these housing laws, um, it, it raises the question about uh, where should this dense housing really be going? Do you want to live in a single family neighborhood with single family homes and big yards? Or do you want to live in a place where there's apartments and duplexes and ADUs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? The reality is, of course, is if you actually want to live in a place uh, that is limited to single-family homes, my understanding, even under these new laws, is you can still do that, but you have to have an HOA and you have to have the Declaration of Covenants and Restrictions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here's a little bit of free, uh, free advice, not legal advice, but just free advice. Don't buy into places that have HOAs, especially if you've got Democrats running the HOA. How do you think you're going to be treated? You're a conservative. You move into a nice neighborhood. You realize, oh, wow, the HOA president's a Democrat. Boy, don't let them find out you're a conservative because you know you will be treated horribly. Uh, but the, the, the attorney uh, for the Montanans Against Irresponsible Densification, uh, Jim Getz, himself a prominent resident of Bozeman's University District, uh, says that these will not um, solve the, the housing problem in Montana. He says... Uh, don't put don't put them in beautiful older neighborhoods. Don't ruin them. It's it ain't going to solve housing housing affordable in any way. Well, I'm not sure exactly where he's coming up with the idea that adding more supply of housing is not going to um, solve affordable housing in any way. Well, I don't think anybody says it's going to completely solve it, but certainly adding more supply will bring down prices. Assuming you know everything else equal. Now, if demand keeps going up. And demand does appear to be continuing to go up nonstop here in Montana. You know, maybe maybe uh, this isn't going to do all the things. But when you've got, it is so difficult <laughs> to, to build in Montana. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 very confident that the housing affordability issue is not going to go away, and that's because the DEQ basically is not allowing a lot of more a lot of uh, new subdivisions uh, to have well water. In a lot of places in Montana, the DEQ is forcing people to take, have water cisterns and then haul their water. You're not allowed to drill wells in a lot of places anymore in, in, in actual platted subdivisions. Now, of course, if you own a parcel of property and you're not within a subdivision, the DEQ, um, I don't think, is going to have jurisdiction to tell you whether you can drill a well or not. 
anybody can correct me if I'm wrong on that. I'm not an expert on the issue here, but this is my understanding. And so how are you, I mean, who wants, first of all, who wants to own a house with a water system where you have to haul water? Uh, if we saw anything, if we learned anything from uh, the reaction to COVID, it's that, uh, boy, our society can break down and collapse pretty pretty quickly. Uh, folks, I'm going to play Aaron Flint's interview with Seth Dillon from the ba- Babylon Bee here right after this break. If you haven't heard it yet, you're going to want to hear this. Apparently, Seth Dillon of the Babylon Bee coming to Montana soon. Aaron Flint had a great interview with him, and we're going to listen to that right after this. Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Seth Dillon, CEO of the Babylon Bee, an honor to have you on the show this morning. Thanks for being with us. Great to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, excited to see that you're going to be here in Montana coming up in in February. Uh, You're going to be the keynote speaker for the Billings Christian School fundraising banquet. And uh, they do have tickets and tables uh, uh, for sale right now. Wanted to get that word out because I know there's a lot of people who are going to want to get a chance to see you in person. Uh, Anyway, you know, tell us, for those who aren't familiar with the Babylon Bee, what do you love about the Babylon Bee so much? Well, um, you know, we, what we do is satire. You know, we do news satire. So we, we're, we're trying to make fun of everything that's going on in the world that deserves mockery. And I, I think that's, that's one of the things I love about it the most. Is, it's not just that it, it makes you laugh, and it does. Um, we have some very talented writers on our staff who, who keep people laughing and bring levity to these issues. But, but one of the things I love about it the most is that it's willing to mock the things that deserve it, that we don't take them as seriously as everybody wants you to. You know, you mentioned the, the crazy headlines that we're seeing. I was just commenting on one uh, yesterday. There was like a, a there was a middle school kid who was who failed a quiz because he refused to say that only uh, not because he said that men can't get pregnant, and they wanted him to be uh, they wanted the answer to be that both men and women can get pregnant. Um, and he failed a quiz because of that. And it's just, that's the kind of thing, you know, my, my comment on it was, you know, 20 years ago, if you told somebody that the kids would be failing quizzes for saying men can't get pregnant, uh, no one would have believed you. No one on the left or right would have believed you. It, it would have been seen as completely insane. But, but the world is upside down right now, and so it deserves mockery. So that's, that's one of the things I love the most about the bees. Well, that's exactly right. In fact, you guys got booted off of Twitter in the pre-Elon Musk era of Twitter for kind of a similar note. It was hilarious uh, when when there were publications that were that were declaring Rachel Levine as the woman of the year, even though Rachel Levine is a yeah. man who identifies as a woman and now holds a prominent post in the Biden administration. You, uh, the Babylon Bee declared Rachel Levine as the man of the year, and they kicked you off of Twitter. A comedy website got kicked off of Twitter for telling a joke. Yeah, and we were doing our job there. I mean, the real headline was actually comical on its own. It seemed like something out of a South Park episode. You know, you got this male person in a dress being named Woman of the Year. I mean, how insulting is that to real women everywhere? So, you know, we, we actually had a hard time trying to come up with what we would do as our uh, as a satirical angle on that because, it's again, it's hard to kind of parody that, which is already a parody of itself. So um, we uh, we just decided to go ahead and speak the truth with, with a joke and say Rachel Levine was our pick for Man of the Year. And yeah, that, that ran afoul of the misgendering, hateful conduct policy that 
that Twitter had in place. And so, you know, Elon Musk was very concerned about that. It was a lot of people try to say that the B was the reason he bought Twitter and 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 uh, and, and tried to restore free speech, but I, it, it certainly wasn't the only reason. But it was one of the, it was a symptom of a, of a deeper problem that he saw, which is that people can't even make jokes about the things that deserve to be made fun of anymore, and that's a big problem. In order to have, in order to get to the truth, you have to be able to debate it, um, and in order to push back on bad ideas, you have to be able to make fun of them. And Elon Musk recognizes that, thankfully, and was willing to spend. $44 billion to set us and everyone else free. Well, you mentioned some of your more recent favorite headlines from the Babylon Bee. I, if, if I was more prepared today, I, I would have put together a whole list of some of my favorite Babylon Bee headlines. I've got the Babylon Bee book at my house. I should have brought it in today. But, uh, but, but one Montana-specific one going back to May of this year, Montana lawmaker nails audition for Bud Light spokesperson. Uh, this is the uh, the transgender lawmaker from Missoula that led the transurrection, uh, cheered on the transurrection where these transgender activists were tussling with law enforcement and throwing things and staging this, uh, what's supposed to be called a, an insurrection on the floor of the Montana House. Yeah, you probably need to see the image for that one to be funnier. Uh, or the, the, image, the image often pairs with the headline for the joke. Well, exactly. You were talking about uh, men in dresses. Uh, one of the headlines that's out today uh, following the Hunter Biden, uh, you know, press conference on Capitol. Well, it wasn't a press conference. It was just more of a press stunt. So Hunter Biden shows up, refuses to, to comply with the subpoena. But anyway, the Babylon Bee headline is this. McConnell dresses as prostitute to lure Hunter into closed door hearing. You can just uh, you can envision it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he's got this Wild West uh, kind of kind of. He looks like he could be uh, one of the Dirty Shame Show dancers at a Scobie, Montana, with the uh, Western outfit he's wearing. Let's just say. Oh man, it's a, it's amazing how protective of uh, of Hunter the media has been, and that was you know that was again you you go back to why why Twitter needed to be set free, and the media wasn't even reporting on it, was refusing to report on uh, his laptop story. Uh, the New York Post was the only one willing to do it, and they ended up getting suspended for it. So it wasn't just comedy that was being blocked. It was it was actually factual reporting that you know, the, the narrative guardian didn't want to get to slip through and get to the public. So it's been a crazy time the last few years. You know, doing doing comedy in a time when speech is being this uh, this suppressed is, is definitely challenging. Yeah, Seth Dillon, the CEO of the Babylon Bee, he's going to be the headliner for the Billings Christian School Fundraising Banquet coming up February 20th. And you can get a table for your friends, table for your, your business, table for your clients uh, right now at billingschristian.org. But, you know, I was talking with with uh, Lindsay French, uh, who's on the in the committee for this fundraising banquet. And she says, you know, one of the great things about the Babylon Bee, well, there's a couple of great things. Uh, one is that how many of your fake news headlines, these are satirical headlines, end up being true, end up becoming real-world headlines? Uh, we're close to 100. I'm not exactly sure what the number is right now. It's probably like 95 or 96. We have we track them in a spreadsheet. We call them fulfilled prophecies. But um, it's funny on the one hand and kind of disconcerting on the other that so many of our jokes are coming true. I mean, it's, it's a sad commentary on society that satire only stays satire for a brief period of time. But, but this, this happens, you know, like Simpsons jokes often comes, come true. Uh, South Park jokes often come true. Uh, the Onion headlines have often come true. Whenever, if you have a, if a, good, a good piece of satire is tied to the truth closely enough, that there's a chance it could come true if things just get a little bit more ridiculous than they currently are. So 
I don't know. It's it's. I, I think it's a measure. It's actually a, a measure of, of good satire. Some people have criticized us for having jokes that are too close to reality, but I think it's the problem is that reality is too close to satire. Well, there was there was one headline I saw in Montana this morning that I thought was a Babylon Bee headline. Uh, the newly elected left wing mayor of Missoula. Uh, attended a program at Harvard for new mayors, and so the headline was, What Missoula's Davis Learned at Harvard's Program for New Mayors. Uh, and so I, I could just imagine a top ten list by the Babylon Bee talking about how to discriminate against Jewish students, what to do when yeah. Jewish students are barricaded in their dorm rooms. You know, I mean, it, it looked like something that could be a Babylon Bee story, but... Yeah, we, have, we actually have another site that covers news so crazy it should be satire, but somehow isn't. It's called Not to Be, and so it's kind of like a sister to the Babylon Bee that is actually covering those crazy real headlines. The other thing that Lindsey French mentioned, and, and you kind of referenced this, when it came to uh, the Babylon Bee getting booted off of Twitter for, you know, the Rachel Levine joke uh, and, and satire, um, mm -hmm. but she made a great point. You guys never bent at the knee. You didn't bow down to this ty tyranny, even if it meant uh, suffering financially or, or you know, whatever. Yeah, that's true. I mean, what, what what happened was we weren't technically suspended the way you normally think of a suspension where you where your account gets completely wiped out. What happened was they they flagged that joke about Rachel Levine as being violative, and they and they said that we needed to delete it in, in order to get back into our account. Yeah, February 20th, that's when Seth Dillon, uh, the Babylon Bee CEO, will be here in Montana, joining us right now, right here on Montana Talks. And again, go to billingschristian.org if you'd like to purchase tickets or a table for that event. I look forward to seeing you there. Uh, Seth Dillon, back to this Twitter conversation. Of course, now uh, with Elon Musk taking over Twitter, uh, you're back on Twitter. But yeah, they, they, tried to, they tried to force you to bend at the knee and bow down to the, to the woke mob. Yeah, they were, well, they wanted us to, like I was saying, they wanted us to delete the joke ourselves. And, and I thought that was crazy. I figured they could just delete it if they didn't like it up there. But they wanted us to delete it and admit that we engaged in hateful conduct. And, and we didn't have to think about that very long to say, no, we're not going to do that. Um, and we knew that that decision to not delete it would be costly because, you know, being on Twitter, of course, that was one of our largest audiences. And, and we engaged with a lot of really prominent and popular accounts on there that share our stuff and get our get our, our headlines out there and drive traffic to our website. So it was it was costly saying no, but but we, we knew that somebody at some point needed to finally stop playing this game and and censoring themselves so that they can keep access on these platforms. We we refuse to do that. So uh, you know Elon really respected that when, when we when we talked with him and he ended up restoring us, you know, he said it took a lot of integrity to stand our ground and Yeah, no, exactly, and, and and didn't bend at the knee and bow down to the, the wannabe Roman emperors of our yeah, time here. You know, I think it's important, you know, that people understand that that when they do that, if they take a stand like that, other people are emboldened by that. You know, there a lot of people are out there feeling the need, the strong need to censor themselves to, to keep their their you know their footing on these platforms, their followings, and, and their audiences. And they're afraid to speak the truth um, boldly and possibly pay a penalty for that. But as long Fox News commentary. Donald Trump might be ahead in the polls, but what percentage of voters approve of him being kicked off the ballot? This is what I've been warning about. I'm Tommy Laren. More next.
From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. We check in with Jimmy Fallon, bring in authors for The Book Club, and even treat some of your favorite Fox personalities to a very special happy hour. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Kennedy Saves the World. America's listening to Fox News. When it comes to poll numbers, I urge you to take them with a grain of salt. And while recent national polling does suggest Trump is ahead, not only in the GOP race, but in a head-to-head with Biden, I will once again caution my fellow patriots from getting too cocky. And here's why. A recent poll done by YouGov shows that over 50% of Americans approve of Trump being booted from the ballot in Colorado. And what's worse, almost a quarter of Republicans agree. Now, this political stunt out of Colorado will likely not hold water and will almost certainly be struck down by the Supreme Court. But even so, the fact that a majority of Americans agree with it? Well, that's not a good sign. It's not Trump's fault he's being witch-hunted like this again. I would just remind the Republican primary voters that none of this is going to end. And if Trump is indeed our GOP nominee, that's when the deep state will really go to town. I'm Tommy Lahren, and you can watch my show Tommy Lahren is fearless at Outkick.com. Saving you money, I'm Hillary Barsky. The old adage, cash is king, no longer seems to ring true as phones take on more of the work of wallets and people rethink how much they still need to carry in cash. Four in ten Americans say none of their purchases in a typical week are paid for using cash, according to a survey from the Pew Research Center. Still, those who do carry cash, on average, it's about 67 bucks as of 2021. And if you still like to carry cash, how much should you keep even for emergencies? The Wall Street Journal spoke to financial advisors, executives, and security experts for advice on the best approach. One advisor recommends $30 just to cover small transactions, while many add that paying in cash cash might help curb overspending since the emotional impact of spending with bills is greater than paying with a phone or credit card. And if you want to forego cash altogether, financial advisors say you should leave home with no more than two or three credit cards. Saving you money, Hillary Barsky, Fox News. This is the Montana Economic Minute. Economic research seems to have rules and customs just like anything else. And the custom, for some reason, when people look at the way that income is distributed between rich and poor in most research, has been to consider pre-tax income from work and investments and to ignore the effect of taxes and government transfers. The research that gets the attention, that is, because the story that gets loudly reported from this research custom is that the upper 1% of the earners are getting more and more of the economic pie. This gets easily transformed into cries that capitalism is broke and the rich are getting away with murder. What happens if you break with that custom? That's what one pair of researchers did recently, and their findings undo much of the story. Two federal government economists found that accounting for taxes and transfers, that the inflation-corrected income of all earners has risen, and that the after-tax share of income captured by the top 1% has hardly budged since 1960. Podcasting from the Grizzly Gold and Silver Studios, trusted by the Northwest, Montana-owned. Online at grizzlygoldandsilver.com. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, this is Montana Talks. With Aaron Flint. We are live from high above downtown Billings, Montana on Montana Talks. This is David Noble filling in for Aaron Flint. Uh, call in if you want to be on the show, 406-294-0970. Here's a story that's very dear to my heart. This is from The Atlantic. It sure looks like phones are making students dumber. Um, and this, this story talks about this new a new study that came out showing that Various measures of student well-being 
have been in a sharp decline worldwide ever since 2012. And 2012 is around the same time that smartphones and social media emerged as the attentional or attentional centerpiece of teenage life. And so what they go on to say, that there's this uh, test called the Program for International Student Assessment. Uh, they do testing in 80 countries every three years. They test 15-year-olds in math, reading, and science. Um, the latest report shows that uh, learning loss is not just limited to the United States. There's been an unprecedented drop in performance globally that was nearly three times as large as any prior change. And so they go on here to talk about how uh, these scores, testing scores basically peaked around 2009 to 2012, and then it's been a sharp decline ever since. They've got... um, They've got a graph here showing uh, a line graph showing just this ongoing drop, um, even in famously high performing countries. Uh, the grades and test results have been declining for a while. Uh, the 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 study actually suggests and actually basically proves that it's all because of smartphones and social media. Um, students who spend less than an hour of leisure time on digital devices scored fifty points higher than students whose eyes are glued to their screens for more than five hours a day, that this gap uh, persisted even after adjusting for socioeconomic factors. And that 50-point decline, that's four times as large uh, as the pandemic learning loss in that subject. So, so okay, we all know that there was massive learning loss and there was a decline in test scores uh, because of the, the, the absurd over over done reaction to COVID in terms of shutting schools down, et cetera, et cetera. There was, there was massive learning loss there. We all know that. However, the learning loss that kids are experiencing now from, uh, from phone and social media use is four times as large as that. And uh, it's, it's also true that even students at school who are not using their phones at school, they're still feeling distracted by their classmates' digital habits. Um, they also, uh, these students are feeling nervous and anxious when they don't have their digital devices near them. Um, this is, uh, basically, basically it's that smartphones are making students dumber. I mean, that's the long and short of it. And social media is making them depressed and anxious and all of these, these other things. Um, and so the, the, one of these authors has actually suggested banning smartphones in schools. I don't know why that hasn't been done yet. Why? Why are we even allowing smartphones in school? Um, there's all these mentions of uh, uh, students te- uh, texting during school, which I did not realize was uh, even allowed. Um, and, and there's also evidence in the study about how task switching between social media and homework results in lower GPAs. The students who text in class do worse on tests. Uh, this, is, this is the beautiful piece right here. If you take away their cell phones, they do better on the tests. Um, here it is. Quote, students whose cell phones are taken away in experimental test settings do better on tests. The mere presence of a smartphone in our field of vision is a drain on focus. Even a locked phone in our pocket uh, screams silently for the shattered fragments of our divided attention. So they go on to talk about uh, banning phones in schools. But really... Um, the, the reality is, is I, the way I see this is that it's kind of up to the parents to 
um, limit the amount of time our kids are spending on these screens. Obviously, easier said than done. <laughs> Much easier said than done. But, I, I mean, I don't know how many more studies need to come out showing that this kind of cell phone use and social media use by the kids is destroying their lives. They can't have r- normal relationships. It's destroying their ability to have a normal relationship. It's destroying their learning. They can't learn. Uh, they're, they're suffering anxiety and depression. Boy, we're in a lot of trouble if we don't if we don't get the screen addiction under control. You want to talk about drug addiction and opioids and fentanyl? Let's talk about smartphones and, and social media addiction.